Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our over-gloves together for Tooth Life Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. Welcome back, peeps, to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast with your peeps, Irene and Katrina, who is jazz handing, handsing her way into the episode. Yes, up, jazz girl? hands. Oh, hey. hey, girl. How's it going? I'm good. I'm living my best life. How about you? <sighs> That's all I ever want, you know, is for you. Like, I wake up every morning and I like journal and I'm like, dear diary, I hope Irene is living her best life today. And I, <laughs> how many times have you mentioned me in your diary? Um, actually, a few times. Like, tr- really? Yes, truthfully, because um, oh no, I have oh a, no, no, because I do journal every morning, and I, I I have a prompt every morning that I have to write about like something that I'm grateful me? for. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to write about something I'm grateful for, and oftentimes I think about like how grateful I am to know you and to be no. doing all this stuff with you. Yes, and I do, this and I write stupid. about. No way. No evidence of this. I I'm being honest. Of this. All right, I will. Sc- I will screenshot one of my journal entries Pick, where I write about my gra- never happened. My gratitude. <laughs> Picks are never happened. But I do. I, I really do write about you from a gratitude standpoint. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I actually don't write about you living your best life because I guess I don't oh. care in my journaling. But I. I but I am very grateful <laughs> for you. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Happy late th- happy late Thanksgiving to you. No, happy belated Thanksgiving. So I mean, exciting. I'm Canadian, so we well, it's super belated. We did it a while ago. Yes. I mean, we didn't really, but um, it's your favorite holiday. Yeah. Holly, yay! Holly, yay! And I saw you had a fam jam, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and your sister came down from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yes, with her fiance. Um, yes. Okay, so literally, yes, like Thanksgiving. And is your my brother favorite. is that your brother that was there too? Yes, my with brother, his girlfriend, his girlfriend. Yes. Yes. So lots of like exciting stuff. So you know, it is my favorite holiday, and for the Canadians that listen to this podcast in America, that's always on like the second to last Thursday of or the last Thursday of November or whatever it is. Our government, I think, selects it. Um, and, you know, there's that Thanksgiving. Like, the government tells you when you can be thankful. I think so. Yeah, I think they're like, this is the day of gratitude. And then we all just are like, cool, that's the day we're going to be thankful. Um, and, of course, leading up to that, it's like a freaking nightmare because, like, the grocery stores are packed and, like, everybody hates right. everybody. And you're, like, trying to, like, bring in this, like, holiday cheer, but you're, like, irritated. Right. So we have this, like, really great tradition. This started almost well 14 years ago now where I do a friend's Thanksgiving so all my friends you know anybody who doesn't have a place to go can come to my house for Thanksgiving and it could you taking in all the strays I do I take it well that's that's why I have so many dogs all over me (laughs) I I have a big heart and I want to share but um no we so we do a friend's Thanksgiving and of course, it's evolved over the years, and it's kind of fun because, like, the people that, you know, were friends of mine, like, 13, 14 years ago are now, like, married, and they have their own kids, obviously, and, and they, like, they still come over and, like, make an appearance, really? so it's kind of fun. Obviously, so it was even very, though they're no longer strays, you still accept them? I have people that would prefer to be at my Thanksgiving versus going to their families, so it's kind of fun. So the Thanksgiving's, like, a whole, like, day event. It starts in the morning with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade 
Gatorade. We wake up in the morning. We drink mimosas. Wait, can we talk about that vine. for a moment? That, okay, so was- did you watch the Mario Lopez version? Because that was weird <laughs> AF. I'm like, what is happening? Mario Lopez has like his wife and his kids and like the dog. And I'm like, what's going on? I don't even know. What? So what was happening with the with the parade this year? So, well, they didn't have any like attendees in the stands. So right. this is what I felt like, though. Don't, don't you feel like that's how you feel delivering programs when there's no on audience a webinar. There? And you're like, yeah, you're doing it. And like people like are probably. marching band going down. Yeah, da, 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 nobody, da, da, Ronald McDonald's cheering. like waving to nobody. Like, hello, yes. Um, no, it was, that was so odd. Um, the, like some of the sound wasn't patched in. It was just weird. Like the bagpipers, you're like, I feel like I should be hearing bagpipe music, but I can't right. hear anything. So yeah, that was just kind of odd this year. Really disappointing. But I mean, I'm glad that we were still able to do it. But we, we do. We drink um, German mulled wine. And mimosas yeah. and eat like breakfast pastries. You guys and just, made like, mimosas out. with Pedialyte. We did. Yes, we did. So concerned. Yes, for you and all. I'll I'll tell you about that. Was in a it moment. to pre? It was it to increase your electrolytes before the main event? Like is that what it that was? was? It's prophylactic like, and therapeutic in nature. Oh, is what it was. <laughs> I see. It was a little bit of column A. And a it little was bit a little a. bit of a column A and B is what it was. Okay. But, so right. And then and then you that. had your funeral for your turkey. We did have the funeral for the turkey. Um, yeah. We had like we yeah we just like hung out the whole day. Blah blah blah. And so I do have to say like shout out to my brother. Like over the years I've given more and more control of the Thanksgiving dinner to him and it seemed like this year I just like sat and kicked my feet up and drank wine the whole day and he was like running around in the kitchen with an apron on and like doing all the things so it's like kind of cool um so he we have an oilless turkey fryer so we an fry our turkey. turkey fryer. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how does that work? Tell me about the physics It's of that. like an infrared. Well, it's at a 2.4 wavelength. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but it's a, it's like an infrared. <laughs> but are we initiating the tip we, or not? It's an initiated, initiated tip. You really want to get a sizzle, you know? Yeah. Do we need to like articulating paper to initiate <laughs> <Yeah>. the tip? <laughs> so, no, but it's... it's Is it a pulse wave or a continuous wave? I think it's wave. a continuous wave. Okay. Right. Um, but so, you know, we do that outside. And it's kind of funny because the dogs get like really involved in that because that happens out on the patio oh, so the dogs are like out scary. there and they're like oh yeah no they're just like really excited about it so, so wait so there's no oil so it just no uses oil. heat it just uses heat yeah so what's mm-hmm. the difference between that or just putting the bird in the oven well, the problem with putting the bird in the oven is, one, you have to cook it for a longer period of time. With an, okay. a turkey fryer, it crisps on the outside and it seals all the moisture in. And so you only have to cook it for like, I think, three and a half hours and it's like fully cooked. Okay. Also, it occupies space outside. So then you have oh. your oven available for your for all of the all of the other accoutrements. Yeah, All of the things. So we, um, right. so we do that. And um, I did some wine pairings this year. And so, you know, we had like different wines throughout the entire night. And then we were so full that we didn't even eat dessert, actually. So I've got like a bunch of like gluten-free desserts at the house. But the best part of Thanksgiving is that actually we do most of our meal prep on that Wednesday night. And so that has actually become a big tradition with my friends. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, I'm going to be in the kitchen drinking wine and doing my meal prep. So everybody actually comes over that Wednesday night. And so it was like 
Irene, I'm not even kidding. There were like, it was, it was just wonderful. But that's, that's why we were drinking Pedialyte the next morning. Got it. I see. It was really great. Um, Well, I love Thanksgiving, but I just don't get enough of it because culturally my family doesn't really do Thanksgiving, which makes me sad. Yeah. So I've always dated people that do Thanksgiving so that I can go to There you go. By proxy. That's good. I don't think I've ever been single for Thanksgiving. Oh, (laughs) oh, okay. (laughs) Irene's like, want to date for a few weeks so that I can Come there you to your go. There you Thanksgiving go. Because my immigrant <laughs> communist parents don't I do that. Can totally see that on your Tinder profile, like just yeah. looking for a Thanksgiving. Swipe right. Swipe right if you like, if you like turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Funny oh, stuff. Awesome. Okay, well, well, we have an episode. Yes. Speaking speaking of wine. Yes. Um. Um. Are we guessing? We I want to guess. We're not there yet. First, we need to thank our friends at Dense by Serena, who also celebrated Thanksgiving because they were American. Yes. So thanks to our peeps at DS for sponsoring this lovely episode. Yeah. Before we get into who this episode is, I want to share with you something that I am um, now the most pumped about ever. What are you the What are you the most pumped about, Irene? Okay. So let's take a side shuffle. Okay. With the fact that I worked at a perio office, mm-hmm. with a periodontist that did implants. And we never used an ultrasonic around an implant. Yeah, there's because, there's some drama around that. Right. Yeah. He he also wouldn't let us probe it. He hmm. would probe it. I don't mm. know if that's just his thing. He wanted to calibrate his probing. Cool. All cool. What you want to do is what you want to do. Yeah. But so now that I have my own office and that I order my own stuff, I have ordered one Cavitron soft tip, which mm-hmm. is the ultrasonic mm-hmm. insert that has the little blue, blue condom on attachments it. that <laughs> stop. That's what I call um, it. That, yeah, that that is safe to use around implants. So today is Monday. You will be seeing a very interesting video on my personal Instagram mm. of me removing a ledge of calculus around a cantilever implant on the lower anterior that had 12 millimeters of calculus oh. in height and about five to six millimeters of calculus in width and depth. In wh- wow. That's so it quite, was a, like, it was like quite a, a calculus It was, it was, it was just... Because of the cantilevers part of it, the yeah. calculus had gone underneath the pontic oh. and like wrapped around the abutment wow. from the buccal to the lingual to the mesial to the distal. So it was basically like, and then attached to the adjacent tooth next to it. So it was like a thigh gap full of calculus. A thigh gap. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the only way I can explain it. Full of calculus. And it was this oh. black layered tenacious calculus. And I swear when I removed it, and I removed it in two full pieces, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I stuck it on the person's like optic. Is that so what, is that what was sitting there? I saw that. It's that just like calculus. a huge hunk of calculus. And I was like, and I wonder if like, she knows. She didn't know because it was like on the optra gate. Um, and it fa- it looked like a fossil. Yeah. Like it had different yeah. layers and colors to it. And it was one of those, like you feel like you see TikToks about people that find river rocks and then they put them in these yeah. little magic machines they, like, that shake it. them and they come out with all these beautiful colors. Yeah. That's what that looked like. So when it was dry, it looked gross. But as soon as I wet it, you can see all of these different facets oh, inside Lord. this piece of calculus. <laughs> I, I was so fascinated. You're like studying But it. I'm trying to like keep a straight face because my patient is there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it was just like, whoa, that's cool. So we filmed the whole thing using um, the soft tip ultrasonic insert. So yes, and and chef. people should check that out because your angulation on it and your adaptation is excellent. 
So people it should was? check it. Did you yes. like it? Yes. I it was, was like, it was get my it, first girl. Time, it was my first time using it. Oh, well, beginner's so luck. You I did a great, you did a really good job. Well, I re- I like researched a, a little bit, obviously, before I put it up in the interwebs. But um, yeah. yeah, it was really, it was really interesting to use and super efficient. Really nice tool. No, here's the thing that's interesting because, as you know, I, I work in a perio office and we, of course, have a lot of patients that come in with dental yeah. implants. And one of the procedures that we do a lot or that I do, because we have two different types of hygienists in our practice. And I'm with the doctor. Surgical versus non-surgical. Exactly. Yep. Got it. So surgical hygienists, sometimes what we do is we will see patients that have had their uh, implant crown placed on top and we see them back for what's called a post-crown check. And we're essentially yeah, evaluating. You check the occlusion of exactly, it. Exactly. The, the, the sure you know, contacts. Floss. And we're yes. also checking to make sure that there isn't cement if it's not a screw retained. Right. And so, right. of, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, oh, I don't happens. know the statistics, like what, six out of 10 implants that are not screw retained are going to have cement around there and so what we do is we'll do a complimentary debris removal where we'll go in and we remove that debris now i was taught in hygiene school when you scale an implant that you should be using a plastic instrument and right. one of the challenges that we have seen in our perio but office plastic instruments can still scratch not only can they still scratch but but they the plastic filaments the pl- can shave off there you go and then can be found intracellularly when we then, have seen right. implant failure and doctor flaps that back we've seen little curls of the plastic from those plastic scalers Right. in the implant that's caused some of the failure. And I think right. we can all agree, like, I mean, depending on what the implant scaler is that you're using, some of those are so big and that tissue, I mean, that's that's why probing around an implant is so, like, delicate, delicate. anyways, is because you don't want to, you want to do about 50% the PSI that you typically would so you don't break through that tissue. So the tissue itself is already kind of funky based on how bulky that crown is and how narrow right. that implant is. It's hard to get that implant scaler in there. So to right. be able to use some Something like, you know, dense by Serona soft tip is is actually you know quite nice to be able to get yeah. in there and really efficiently remove the debris and do it. I had safely. a lot of a lot of questions after I posted that little spoiler kind of snippet. Someone asked. I did a case presentation and someone asked me like. I don't know how what it was about. It was like, can you show us how to use something around an implant? I was like, oh well. Speaking of it, and then Turns the out. flood of the flood of questions. Like, yeah. Even my own doc, Doctor Manoch, said that he works in another practice and they don't have those mm-hmm. tips there, which is interesting because he's a prosthodontist and they place implants at mm-hmm. that practice. So they're like, where do you get these from? How do you, how mm. did you order this? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this is available for everybody. Yeah. And I, th- I only have one, but I think I'm going to get another one yeah. because of the sterilization kind of process, process, process. Process. Look so at you sounding have- more American process. Know, yeah, I get trying, it, girl. I'm okay. Trying, <laughs> Maybe they'll give me my green card if I can yeah. say words properly. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I had a kind of aha moment using <clears throat> it. So come back to my Instagram tomorrow to watch the full video of me removing so 12 good. millimeters worth of calculus. It was it was intense. And it was really nice because this particular type of implant, I mean, you couldn't see the threads of the implant. So they, this person had lost a lot of vertical bone. Hmm. They had two anterior teeth that were RCT'd and they failed. So they had periapical <clears throat> abscesses. It was interesting because she was a new patient and I requested all of her records and well, they only sent me like, I hate how they only send you the most recent yeah, x-rays. Like, let me see so everything. I called, right. So I called the office back and I was like, so thank you for sending me the post-implant placement x-ray, but I want to see what was there before. And the lady on the phone was like, really? Why? I'm like, because I want to know the history. Like, I want to know, 
I want to know everything. Yeah. So she was like, okay, like how far back do you want to go? And and I said, do you have baby teeth x-rays? Like that's how far back I want to go. And she laughed and she was like, all right, well, let me check with the doc if that's okay. I'm like, why wouldn't it be yeah. okay? The patient signed a request for transfer, like transfer. It should be the full, so, full thing. Yeah. So they did, so she had two periapical abscesses and then they did an immediate extraction and immediate implant placement of one. They bone Mm. grafted the socket of the tooth next to it, but it was still like significantly recessed or I guess, what would the word be? Not recessed. Um, like the bone almost resorbed a little bit in its in its yeah. height and also in its width. So the implant that's in there is like a little itty bitty mini implant that has this monstrous crown that has a cantilever mm. on it, and it's very big and very bulky. So there there wasn't any exposed threads. It had this weird kind of like I don't know. It was just a very strange strange anatomy of a of a crown to build. I'm surprised. I've never seen one that had a little like indentation in the in the stainless steel or in the metal or the t- I don't know what they used um, so the little tip of the soft tip like got in really nicely to clean out that otherwise I would have had to pull out like a titanium scaler or yeah. something and I didn't I didn't have to pull out a scaler at all which was That's nice, nice. she had a lot a lot a lot going on with the tissue like the tissue yeah, had pushed that. back so much it was so red and beefy she's coming back for a four to six week reevaluation. Oh. I did a DNA an oral DNA test on her nice. so we prescribed some oral rinse antibiotics and good some arrestin on the upper anterior and the posterior so it, it's she's, she's a full mouth rehab case but anyways tomorrow check that out peeps uh, but for today for now we have a, an episode with our friends and i don't know if i can do a song friends uh, so there there are two individuals two three there two? there are more than two there are less than five but there are more than two. Oh. Who did we? I don't know. I don't know. I read. They, um, they, or wait, or were there only two? And then all of us were four. I think all of us were four. Oh. Yes. There were, there were four of us in total. And, uh, let's play a hint game. Okay. Um, and everyone loves wine and all of the people on this call, uh, were masters in, in wine, except for me. Wait, no. Are these the Psalms? Oh, no kidding. Irene. Yes. This is yes. great. Yes. This, this is, is awesome. Peeps. This, this is our peeps, the dental Psalms. Yes. Who, who I had never met before, but you have. Yes. Yes. The yes. dental wine guy and the dental Psalm and yes. the dental wine genist and tooth life Irene. And, and the, the, the da, 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 da. Yes. So, so good. this is a fun episode. I, I, we talked a lot, so yeah. we'll cut this intro short for you peeps to enjoy, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. On the flippity flip. Um, welcome to my world, Irene, and by that I mean welcome to the world of wine and teeth. Are you ready for this? Okay, so I have, I'm so excited, <laughs> on this uh, podcast episode, you have, are you ready, Irene? You have... You have the dental wine genist, the dental wine guy, 
and the dental psalm. Are you ready for this? No. So, this is so on much. This is so much information <laughs> on the podcast, we have uh, Dr. Alexandria, a general dentist from Chicago, recently moved to Denver. Um, so she is a practicing dentist. Um, not only that, but she is a sommelier. She has her WSET level one and two, and her uh, international wine guild advanced level two sommelier starting on her level three WSET in the fall. Uh, we also have with us Dr. Desi. Dr. Desi uh, graduated from the University of Saskatchewan, or as hey, I like to say it, a Canadian, or, or as I like to say it, Saskatchewan. Um, he uh, practices in Cal Calgary. Um, he is a rockin' uh, CAD cammer, by the way. Um, he's a KOL for Densply Serona. Woo -woo. Go DS. We love our DS peeps. Um, he also is a WSET 3 certified in wine and spirits, and he shares his love and passion for dentistry and wine like the rest of us do on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, and all the things. So hello to you amazing hello, sommeliers. Peeps. Hello, hello, hello. Whoa. Welcome and cheers. We're all we've all have wine except for Irene and her miso soup. Will you, you take will I mean, you take a screenshot yeah, of me with my me, my miso soup? Hold on, let me mask. Well, Irene, if it's okay, if it feel, makes you feel better, I have two bottles of wine, one for you and then one for me. Oh, so isn't that oh. so sweet? <laughs> you couldn't have shipped it to me. I'm not gonna lie. I couldn't decide which ones. I said, "The hell with it. We're gonna open both." So I'm gonna. Might as well do it. I love it. All right. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys. I'm so I'm so sorry. I my whole plan was to get the wine, and then it just didn't happen. You guys work in dentistry. You know what it's like. And so I opened up my practice three weeks ago, and it's just been like a hot mess. Like literally, I'm sweating. It's a hot mess. But I'm so excited to learn learn more about wine. And I feel like Katrina, like I love you, girl. But you don't teach me shit. Like, you don't teach me anything. You just judge me. You judge me on my choices. You judge me on my box wine problem. Um, but you never, like, educate me as to why I should not be drinking boxed wine. Well, this, so here we and have I feel a like this is it. Can, this is, this we is can the now counsel you through your, your unique wine drinking choices, which we're super excited about. So let's just dive in, shall we? And like, let's, let's like, let's just do all things wine and dentistry tonight, shall we? Okay, wait, I want to know first why, why, in the words of why? Katrina, why, why, um, where did your interest in wine peak and when did that happen? And do you also use the was as much as Katrina does? Because I feel no, like it's like, it's like a sommelier <laughs> thing. And I say sommelier and she says sommelier. Like, how do you say it? You will use, you started with sommelier. Um, so we've, we've at least <laughs> like evolved. It's sommelier. Then right? some people say Somalian and I'm like, Ooh, that's like way off. Like, do you guys get that too? Where people can't pronounce it and they're just like, they like wine. You know what I mean? <laughs> For sure. I think I still mispronounce it sometimes. I feel like there's an American way of saying it. Like when you're not trying to be kind of pompous and then there's the right way of saying it, which if you're around other people who know how to say it, there's a proper way to say it. How, what's yeah. that? What's the pomp? So tell me pompous. Somalier. Sommelier. Okay. Sommelier. And then what's the right way to say it? Well, no, no, no. I think that is the, that is the correct way, but some people find it to be pompous because it sounds so French, but unfortunately oh. that's how it sounds. Oh, and like, I see. but French people say like, um, they have that like, <laughs> that, like 
Yeah, they get the, Yeah, it's like the, it's like the, well, it's like it, a thing. I don't know. It, the problem, <laughs> the wine world has two distinct type of people. There's a very pretentious crowd who tends to be very like upset if things aren't done well or pronounced well. And so the, the thing is the younger generation is probably not as particular. I mean, there's certain things that, for example, we may be a little bit more particular about, for example, using correct, you know, correct glassware, perhaps, uh, you know, saying certain things. But I remember when uh, Ali and I did our first uh, Instagram live, I think someone was like upset the way we were pronunciating something. I'm like, it, it's funny. There is a, always like a very pretentious side of the wine world, but I'm finding that it's not a really common side to it. And the reality is, is that when you say you enjoy boxed wine, I say carry on. I mean, the fact that you enjoy it. I don't it, enjoy like, it. I mean, I don't, let, let's, not, let's not talk about it. Let's not say that I enjoy it. I think that it just like, it serves its purpose. It's like quick. And um, that, that's, 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 that's sure. all. So, and in quarantine, it was the volume. <laughs> and that is where the boxed wine started. It started in COVID quarantine. Um, yeah. I mean, so the thing is with wine, and again, maybe Katrina and Ali can uh, discuss this, but when I first started drinking wine, it all tasted the same to me. Yes, All reds tasted the same, all whites tasted the same. And it wasn't like, and it's funny because all of us will have a slightly different journey. But for me, you know, it was when I, one day we had, we went to this amazing restaurant and I actually bought a practice off someone who collected wine. Huh. And so I look back now and I can't believe I didn't appreciate it, but the night uh, the, the, right after our, our, our practice closed, the day after, the husband and wife took uh, my wife and I out for dinner. And he opened up like 88 Margot. He was opening up all these crazy wines. And at that time, like, I remember just saying, how much are they? Oh, yeah, they must be really good. Like $500 a bottle. It must be so good. And to be honest with you, I probably couldn't tell the difference at that time between Apothic Red and the fact that I was drinking something magnificent. But what happened was at that restaurant, we had amazing food. It was really good food. In fact, there was leftovers left. So we, we took it over. And so and, and that night, I just kind of got, he piqued my interest in wine. Like we drank really good wine and I actually did enjoy it. He was telling us stories about it and all that. Anyways, the next day I went and bought this. And it's, unfortunately, I don't remember the wine. You think it's like my epiphany wine. I remember it. But it was this Pinot Noir from Oregon. And I like Pinots because I find Pinots are easy wines for a lot of people to get into the wine world. So mm -hmm. when people are interested in learning more about wine, Pinot is a really easy going wine that you can drink and you can get it from different parts of the world. And you can try French Pinot, Pinot from Oregon, Pinot from California, which is different. And so we just happen to have this risotto, this mushroom risotto with this Pinot from Oregon. And then uh. I'm like, this is so good. I want to learn about wine. And it was like, this is probably like 12 or 11 years ago. I don't remember exactly, but it was from that moment on, I decided I'm going to start learning about wine. And I just started reading and I started learning. And that's never ended to this day. I'm constantly learning things. And sometimes I'm learning things that are actually really rudimentary in the wine world because it's such a big world, right? And so I'm always learning. When I learn things, I get excited. I get fascinated. And one of the cool things with Ali and I learning about each other here, we have this connection. And I eventually met Katrina as well, was that I, I have the same love and fascination in dentistry. And it just so happens I have this love and fascination in the wine world. And I, and I get to learn from other people. And every time, like I guarantee you, after I leave this conversation, I'm going to learn something. And, I, and it's one yeah. of the best things about wine. Oh, I love that. Uh, Dr. Alexandria, did you have like a, a bottle of wine or a varietal, something that like kind of gave you the same type of awakening and, and kind of told you like, okay, I need to like start really exploring the world of wine. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like my wine that was like my epiphany wine was not um, a typical one. Like everyone has some fancy like French wine or something that's just like, you know, like a, a super nice Bordeaux like you had with that man at dinner. I just tried New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc once and I was like, damn, this is so good. And that's my wine too. It's just it, I, I, it was Cloudy Bay. And <laughs> uh, I love Cloudy Bay. <laughs> oh my God. Your face right now is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Like this is insane. <laughs> this is like, this is like the, the wine version of going to a bar and hearing like Michael Jackson. And you're like, that's my song. Uh, that's my song. Cloudy Bay was 2015 Wine Spectator's top five wine of the yes, year. Yes, it was. Fun it fact. Was. Okay. And I love that. So, and, and what I love about that, I, I, want, I want to hear the rest of your story because I'm so excited about this, but what I love about New Zealand wines, and I'm sure that you're on the same page with this, is that it's so unique. Like you, when you smell a New Zealand Sauv Blanc, you know you're drinking a New Zealand Sauv Blanc. And it's like, what a cool thing. Why, for them. Like, why, what, why? What does it smell like? I mean, just all of the people listening right now are probably nowhere near as knowledgeable as you guys. Tell us what, what's so different. So New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is totally unique. It's in a complete class of its own. Words that are used to describe it, gooseberry, cut grass, cat pee. Cat pee. <laughs> One. I- <laughs> meow. Yeah. Meow. So, but it, it seriously is right. Katrina's 100% right. I mean, you smell this stuff and you taste it. You just know right away, this is from New Zealand. And the fact that you can know nothing about wine and already know a region just from smelling and tasting something is pretty cool. Yeah. And being able to taste like the the land itself in something as such a novice, I found to be so um, just interesting and rewarding. And then I was like, well, what else can I taste and look into? And um, funny enough, so I went um, and traveled to New Zealand and we went and visited Cloudy Bay. I didn't realize this, but Cloudy Bay was actually bought out by that family that like owns all the major luxury brands. Do you guys know this? So I just found out about this, but there's one family and I forget their name, but they own like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, all the major luxury brands. And they bought out Cloudy Bay Hmm. just in the last like seven years or something. And so So it's going to jump up in price. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, not only did it jump up in price, but it also, well, I don't know that it jumped up in price, but um, the volume jumped. And so this is super interesting. So the main winemaker at Cloudy Bay ended up leaving shortly after it was bought out from this family and started his own vineyard called Gray Wacky. And it's literally just a mile down the road from Cloudy Bay. And I went and visited both of these wineries when we were in um, New Zealand. I had no idea about any of this. I found it out while we were there. And I sat down at Cloudy Bay and it was so commercialized and it was cool. But like, it kind of was like disappointing after it was my favorite wine for a while. And then we went to uh, Grey Wacky afterwards. I sat down with Kevin Judd's wife. This is the man who, who's the main winemaker at uh, Cloudy Bay. And he wasn't there, but his wife sat down with us for three hours, tried all these wines with us, so down to earth. Um, and was telling us that she, that Kevin was really upset at Cloudy Bay after they sold out. And now he's like being able to be a little bit more free at this other, um, this other winery that he started. And now that's my favorite wine from New Zealand. But, um, but either way, it was just, it's, I think, I think what got to me from visiting that winery was the stories 
There's so many stories involved with wines and why they're started and the history and like, I mean, you can go infinitely deep in one winery and it's so fascinating. And that's just one small, small story in one region and one country in the world. I mean, it's just huh. so That's so cool. amazing. So I, you know, Irene, it's interesting. Like one of the big things that helped me get into the wine, like world wine, and to this day, I still do. I love drinking wine with people who know a lot about wine, especially when they know a lot more than I do. That's why I become mm. friends with Ali and Katrina now, <laughs> so that I can learn from them. <laughs> but one of the big things is that when you when you drink wine with people who know a lot about wine, see, the thing is, women are amazing wine drinkers because women just naturally pick up a lot of. Uh, characteristics in wine better than men do. So what'll be funny is that I, I consider myself a good wine drinker. I don't necessarily consider myself like amazing or great because what happens is when I'm with certain wine drinkers, they'll pick out stuff. And there is to some degree the power of suggestion. I don't, I don't suggest, I don't doubt that. Mm -hmm. But when you're with really great wine drinkers, they'll pick out things in there, especially it becomes layered. And so oftentimes I can get the first layer you know, I'm constantly practicing and learning, maybe get, click down, but then you get people who get into the third and fourth and they can start clicking down to these things. And the thing is when I first started drinking wines, like I smell stuff, but I just can't connect dots. And then as soon as I had someone help me connect those dots, it really, really made me fall in love with wine, especially then when you start doing this. So for example, this summer, Ali and I, we've been chatting, we've been really big on a Chardonnay kick like a really big Chardonnay. So I have two different types of Chardonnay. I have a, I have a French Chardonnay and actually drinking a Canadian Chardonnay that blow everybody's mind away. Oh and yeah? Which one? Can, so yeah, what, what, tell us wine. about your Canadian Chardonnay. I don't drink a ton of Canadian wine and, and I'd love to because I love being Canadian. I'm Mr. Canada and all that. But yeah. that isn't known for being a really high quality producer wine. There's some exceptions, but I recently came across this. It's called uh, Checkmate Wine. That's a uh, cool label. Wine Checkmate, right? So this is their little pond. So they have single vineyard. Uh, it's in Osoyo species. Uh, single vineyard Chardonnay. If I blind tasted this, I would think this is pure Burgundy or some of the highest quality uh. Chardonnays I've had. It's absolutely stunning. And what makes a wine, and again, I had to learn these things because it's not like, I drank wine early and knew what made wine stunning. You, you learn these things and then you learn to differentiate those things. So what I'm looking in a really nice Chardonnay for myself, and I think Ali and I are very similar in our tastes, is that I like Chardonnay that's a little bit restrained. So in other words, I like it when they use a bit of oak because oak will give it a bit of characteristics. I don't like that over oak style. So this particular mm -hmm. one uses a bit of oak. In fact, when I was at the winery a couple of weeks ago, they said they actually have to use barrels that have already been used before and they do that on purpose it's not because they're necessarily trying to save money maybe a little bit of that but what they're trying to do is make sure that there's not too much influence from the oak barrel into the wine but you want a little bit of it then if they grow their grapes really well and this is where the world of wine gets fascinating because it's, it's all about how do they like how do they farm their grapes because you can taste it if if they were in a cooler climate did they take good care of the grapes so in other words i like grapes that were that have a little bit more acidity to it so this particular wine i'm drinking right now has this beautiful acid to it that gives it really nice structure and kind of holds the wine and then you get this note and this is my favorite thing on chardonnay and not a lot of chardonnays do this really well but it's got this nice little hint of butterscotch. And I love mm. that. It's my favorite thing in the world because when I was a kid, I loved butterscotch pudding. My mom used to put butterscotch jello pudding <laughs> in my lunch. And this, <laughs> this little hint of butterscotch on this Chardonnay. And it's, it's a characteristic that I've seen in really high-end uh, uh, Chardonnays 
uh, from California, like Peter Michael, which I just had a few months ago during COVID when I, mm. I thought the world was going to end. I'm like, I'm going to start drinking my really good wine. <laughs> and then and, and I had Aubert. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm buying boxed. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I had Aubert. And so they would have this characteristic. So for me, I was so excited when I found a Canadian Chardonnay that could hold its own against some really high quality producers. And so that's what I'm drinking right now. And, and it's just- So, so it's what's the cost of that Chardonnay per bottle? So this particular bottle is about $110. So unfortunately not the cheapest bottle of wine, but, but uh, I would and, say exceptional. And it's hard, I know, listen, the thing is it's, you know, value is in the eye of the beholder. And so right. for most people, it may be lost in them. And I'm not recommending people necessarily jump out and buy $110 bottles of wine. But uh, this one, this particular one, I would say is actually exceptional value, believe it or not, given the quality of the, the uh, producer, given the quality of uh, the grape, just the quality of wine, absolutely um, suggest it. Like this is a wine, like when we're going through our tasting notes, one of the big things is value. And I would say this is an exceptional value wine. Um, I don't necessarily, it's like we don't sit there and drink. And I, one of the other big things is that a lot of times people think that, you know, wine lovers just want to drink expensive wine and that's not the case at all i mean uh, again katrina and, and ali can uh, talk to this that we don't drink wine that's expensive all the time in fact our favorite thing is to find wines that are good value so 25 say 25 30 dollars and yet they they taste like these wines that are well well above what you paid for that's that's a favorite thing you do because especially as dentists and even you know as hygienists it's fun because my patients one of the cool things about wine is that um, i never really i never created my instagram uh, my dental wine guy instagram to be like a like a ploy to lure people in my practice it's just it was me it was my love for teeth and my love for wine and a lot of patients find it fascinating so over the course of last year i get a lot of patients who love talking about wine with me because they know that i'm this big wine guy so but for me i can't sit there and be recommending hey go buy this 250 dollar bottle of peter michael right. by the way you need three crowns like, hey, you know what you need for that <laughs> yeah. oh. so i love finding great value wines that i can recommend to patients and and i and i have two sommeliers in town like the, the wine stores and they know that if Wally's sending them, they already know which ones to get to get for them and which ones I, I recommend. But maybe Ali and Katrina, you guys can comment your thoughts on 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 the value of wine. That's awesome. I, well, one thing that you said that I absolutely loved, and I wanted to um, I want to kind of chat about is you had talked about the love of that like hint of butterscotch for you, and I love that you brought back that kind of childhood memory of like oh I remember growing up and this was a candy that I really loved, and I think one of the things that a lot of people think with wine tasting is that it is very pretentious that we're all like <laughs> you know it was stone fruit I can't believe you said that of course it's not it's persimmons you know and it's one hundred percent it's actually not like that. At all, you know, I mean, it's your everybody's palate is different and everybody's nose. Like, do you ever get like smell deja vu? Like the other day I was somewhere and I was like, it smells like my preschool in here. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, why do that? I have not had that smell. I smell like ex no, I, That's the Okay, or so, the there you go. That's, that walks that's, by, you're like, shoot, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> smells like Greg. That's weird. Um, no, but you have like smell deja vu. Like th these, these are sensations or senses that, you know, very much connect for us back to memories. So um, I remember I had, California cabs are pretty notorious for kind of like, like mossy, wet basement, um, you know, aromatic uh, experience. And, and I remember I, I smelled one one time that was just, I mean, it, it was like 
wet basement and it smelled like my grandparents' basement growing up. Like, and I, I just, I went back in my like childhood memories to my grandfather had a train set and it was down in his basement. And I don't know why it just like, boom, it just snapped me there. And it's like, this is so, it's really amazing. Uh, all of the senses that are involved in something like this. And it's a very personal experience. And I don't mean to like get weird about it, but it is, it's, it, you can't tell somebody like, no, you don't smell that. Or no, you don't taste that in that, you know, it's, it's whatever you remember. It's whatever you know. It's however you've allowed your, your palate to kind of grow, which I, I think is just kind of a unique, um, unique way to make this something that yes, we can all have the same bottle at the table, but we can all pull something different from it and have a really cool conversation around it, which is really exciting. Unfortunately, we have to do that virtually right now. <laughs> so that's good. Tell us about your Chablis. You know, I, I think I was the one who chose Chablis out of all of us. Um, I've been on a huge Chardonnay kick this whole summer. I don't know what it is. I can't stop drinking Chardonnay. Um, well, for one, it's really freaking hot outside, and I feel where, like where where are you? You're in Chicago, and it's hot. No, hot, I'm, hot, hot. I'm in Denver. You're in Denver. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And it's kind of like a desert climate out here. A lot of people don't really, unless you spend a lot of time out here, you don't appreciate how dry and hot it gets. I mean, yeah. It's like in the nineties, hundreds every single day, um, which is pretty warm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I like I like um, wines in the summer, just that you can drink super chilled, something that you can pair with a nice salad, something like that. Um, Chardonnay is such an interesting grape, and I feel like a lot of people don't really appreciate how wonderful it is. It's one of the only grapes that can grow in all the different climates. Grapes like Pinot Noir, you can only grow in like a very specific climate. It's got very specific parameters or else it dies. And um, Chardonnay is just this robust grape and it wants to grow everywhere. And it grows in all the different countries and all the different climates. And the other beautiful part is that winemakers have all these different um, um, uh, tools in their tool belt to change it up and, and work with it. They can add oak, they can do some malolactic fermentation, which adds like a little bit of those creamy notes to the wine. Um, you can even change up what type of oak. There's American oak and French oak, and um, depending on how much you want to age it. And this wine is also note, um, notably really good at picking up the terroir of where it's grown. So terroir is a fancy word for saying, what does the land taste like, right? And so um, I picked Chablis, because Chablis is such a wonderful um, kind of nuanced, pure form of the Chardonnay grape. It's grown in the homeland of Burgundy and it's it's north of Burgundy, so it's a little bit colder up there. They don't use a lot of oak. This one's slightly oaked, but not very much. And um, it's just a really pure form of the grape itself. And so you just, you know, you can drink it cold. And I actually, I don't follow the rules of what temperatures you're supposed to uh, drink it at. I just kind of like it really cold and then I'll enjoy it as it warms up and I enjoy it, you know, it kind of changes throughout. So this was ice cold when I poured it out, you know, at a nice temperature, but um, there's just so much variety with this grape. It's such a wonderful dynamic grape. I don't think there's another grape as dynamic as this one, maybe Riesling, but Riesling even doesn't grow quite as much. Riesling's, yeah, maybe the other, maybe comparable one, but. I'm um, just, I'm like stunned right now at how beautifully you can talk about a grape. Like it seems yeah. like such a little thing. Just like like rolls it just off seems like right. It's like this long, rolling, beautiful conversation with such descriptive words about a grape, like a little itty bitty grape. It's, it's, a, uh, it's I, I find it fascinating. Like, I really do find it. 
Yeah, and I, I also I also am now really impressed with that grape. Like that is, I want to meet that grape. That is not not only not only in the <laughs> wine form. Like I want to like go and like shake hands with this grape, with this specific one. That, for, for life, right? <laughs> right. I want this grape to be my best friend. Like, like I feel like I will make better choices if this grape is like my best. Sorry, Katrina, you got you got to go. Can you be uh, that grape, Katrina? Can you? You are my you are my real life human grape, but I I need a, I need this grape in my life. Yeah, you do. So tell me about what. Hold on. Why is why is a riesling grape also pretty phenomenal? Wally, you want to take this one? I feel like this, <laughs> You're open up. How many different? First of all, let's just start. With, how many different grapes are there? More than you can. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. There's 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 technically, hundreds. We're just drinking the main varietals. So when, so Chardonnay happens to be one of the main varietals, and like Ali suggested, it's a very versatile grape. It goes everywhere. And actually, you know, to that point, I just want to add one of the things I talked about: Pinot being really a great entry wine for a lot of people who want to get into Pinot wine. Grigio or Pinot Noir. Yeah, Pinot Noir. So okay. thanks for clarifying that. But oh, ha ha ha! Is the other one because. When you start to learn to like one of the fun things for wine drinkers to do is to start picking out certain things about it, right? So one of the cool things about it, Chardonnay expresses where it's grown very easily. And so what I mean by that is that if it's grown in a cooler climate, right, where it's a little bit cooler, especially cool nights, it will express certain elements like green fruit a lot more, like green apple, pear, like those type of things. If it's grown in a moderate climate, it'll pull out stone fruit peaches, apricot, things like those. But when it's grown in a more tropical climate, somewhere warmer like Australia or certain parts of California, you'll get more tropical fruit, that pineapple, like those, those type of fruits. So it's much easier to pick those things out because when you get into certain other wines, it gets a lot more challenging. So it's always nice to start where it's simple to pick out things because as a wine, then when you're loving wine, it's fun when you can pick out things and then you actually look like you know what you're talking about, especially, <laughs> you know, some of my friends, they're, they're single guys and they'll start picking my brain and say, okay, here, you want to impress your lady? Here's what you do. Order this bottle of wine and tell them that you can, you can taste this kind of stuff. And sometimes I always want to tell them the wrong information so it looks stupid, but I, don't, I tell them, I tell them what, what do you, uh, what do you uh, say? So they, but it, it is, it is really fun. So Chardonnay is wonderful that way. And you're asking about Riesling. Riesling is a grape that's, again, it's really interesting. If, so when I was in university, so when I didn't know anything about wine, we were always trying to find uh, drinks that had alcohol but didn't taste like they had alcohol. Sound familiar? Right. Yeah. Those were the days of me drinking Rev. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lemon all, drops. Yeah. yeah. Everyone sits there and puts all this. Like, and then you wonder why we had this insane hangovers the next day. Yeah. Why right. you go to bed all day Sunday. Like, why am I, I in organ failure? Right. <laughs> yeah. So the interesting thing is back in the day, Riesling used to have one, especially one called Blue Nun. And so these were like super sweet, uber, like, yeah, like they just, in fact, they were like low alcohol, super sweet Rieslings. And so a lot of people would drink these things because they didn't really taste the alcohol. And so, and they would drink a lot of it and they would always get sick off it. And like, right. I'm never having Riesling again. And that's unfair because Riesling is a really cool grape, really amazing grape. And it can be done in, in slightly different styles. So Riesling is a, it's a grape that does a little bit better in cooler climates to, to some degree, but, uh, but it's a grape that can be drank a little bit more of a sweeter style wine. So it's really great as a, like, for example, a dessert wine, or even sometimes as an appetizer or a wine that pairs really well with all sorts of foods, like spicier foods and stuff like that. Hmm. And then it can also be done in really, really cool technique where it's more, so lower sugar, so not very sweet, but a lot more drier style. 
but it mm-hmm. can bring a really cool, cool note. So one of the things that uh, Ali with her Chablis she's drinking, one of the really cool things is minerality. You can pick out like certain this certain level of minerality with it. It's <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know how to describe minerality because as a kid I did I like I don't know when I was like four or five I put all sorts of things in my mouth like rocks and crap like that and lick things and stuff like that. So when someone says so in Chablis they literally make you grab the ground so you grab the soil in Chablis and you sift the soil away and there's usually like these fossilized fossilized like shells in your hand and if you lick one of those shells that's what minerality is so i don't know how to describe it to you other than that's what minerality is so certain wines can express minerality and it's a desirable trait in fact certain waters from around the world if you have water right. like filtered water there actually is a minerality sometimes tap water from you know wherever you're you're from will have certain minerality and so it's actually a desirable trait and certain chardonnay so chardonnay from chablis for example does it and riesling will have that characteristic and when you get it it's like cool and then when he goes away and then you the next day you're like i really like that i'm craving that i want that again and that's what some of these cool wines like chablis and certain reasons will do for you is that you crave it and you can't hmm. wait to have it again. and sometimes you don't get it right away you have to wait a little while or yeah, so, might- see, so it's not me having a problem it's the <laughs> grape is making me crave the grape it's tempting you it's luring it's you. It it's it's a t- these grapes are temptresses that's <laughs> now, fascinating i feel like anytime i hear the name or the the grape name riesling i think of very sweet wines and i've never had a riesling that hasn't been overly sweet i'm not a big sweet fan so i i don't really like ice wines yeah yeah but really quick to what you just said about um how you think all the riesling is sweet Everyone in America thinks that that's the case. And it's really interesting because, like, um, sommeliers have, have chosen Riesling generally, like, their favorite types of wines. Like, if you talk to any sommelier, how about it, you guys? Like, they love Riesling. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a secret that there's also, like, tons of dry styles. They're not – there's a whole world of dry Riesling, like, uber dry, not even a little bit sweet, like, super, super bone dry Riesling. Um, Alsace is a really good reason. You can – a region to find dry Riesling. Germany – um, Finger Lakes, New York has really mm-hmm. good fine Riesling. Um, there's a lot of different places. Those three are pretty good, but like, it's just fascinating. The reason I love Riesling so much is that it can, it can do so many things. You can have the driest bone dry, um, something in the medium style with like a little bit of, uh, maybe just a tiny bit of residual sugar and then everything to, from late harvest to, um, something with a little botrytis, which you guys have heard of, have you heard of noble rot or like the fungus that grows on grapes. Do you know anything about this, Irene? The fungus <laughs> that grows on grapes? Yes. No, I don't it's know anything. Noble, it's, it's, it's called it's, Noble Rat. It's Noble because it's French and the French- Noble Rath? Rat. 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 Oh, rat. Oh, okay. So it's a Noble Rat. Um, so funny okay. enough, the history of this is so interesting. So. Um, in the 1800s, they were making wine and the grapes became um, rotted and they looked like they went bad. And so nobility gave the grapes away to the peasants and they're like, here, peasants, take these grapes and do what you want with them. And the peasants started making wine with it and they realized it was delicious. It was mm. really good. And they took it back and um, started doing it themselves. And funny enough, the, the rod itself is actually native to um, Hungary. So it's like, um, uh, 
Wally, do you remember the region in Hungary where they where they actually? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the French, there's the the story goes that the French actually stole um, this idea and kind of um, cultivated it in in the region itself, and then all this you know. All this controversy went down um, on top of it, but the history behind it is fascinating and hilarious. Um, but basically, these—if you looked at a picture—and I encourage everybody here, if you haven't seen it, to look at a picture of a grape that has noble rot. It looks disgusting. I mean, it looks like it's completely raisin, and you can see little pieces of fungus growing. And what happens is. Um, it punctures tiny holes into the grapes and the grape shrivels up like a little raisin and all the little sugars condense and it becomes just this luscious fruit. And when you make wine out of it, it is absolutely unforgettable. The first time you have a Sauternes or, or Tokai from Hungary, I mean, it's, I never forget the first time I tried it. You just never had anything like it before. It's fascinating. Hmm. Uh, and people don't really talk about it or, or drink it in the United States. I feel like it's like kind of a, um, like when I bring it up to people who aren't really into wine, they're always like, what is that? Like what? Um, and then you have them try it and they're just blown away because it's absolutely delicious. Hmm. So what does yeah. that, what does that mean? Um, you know, you walk into an LCBO, and you've got like the the racks in the middle with that are organized by country, and then there's the vintages section. So you know if you don't know a lot about wine, you don't often travel to the vintages section because generally that's where the more expensive bottle of wine would be. So you talked about Mario's wine and that you purchase his vintages. So what does that mean? Where every year is a different vintage? Why would why would a bottle of wine be considered a vintage versus not? I, I think um, I love that you asked that question because I feel like it touches on something that's so beautiful about wine. And this actually is a huge thing that differentiates like box wine or two buck chuck from, from vintage style wines, right? If you buy a bottle of two buck chuck or you go and get black box, you're gonna, it's like going and, and getting, a, you know, something from a fast food restaurant. You have a very solid expectation of what you're drinking and it's gonna taste like that. And it's delicious. There's nothing wrong with it. It's really good. Um, and there's a means to an end there, like you said. The beautiful part about wine and, and carrying on this vintage is that every single year is totally different. You might have the shittiest year and what you're giving out is the best you had. And, and you drink it and it's still, it's still lovely in its own right and you're still going to enjoy it. But it makes that next year when you had an amazing year of growth – that, that bottle is that much more special. And it's almost like, to me, it's like kind of a metaphor for life. Like you really can't enjoy the ups without the downs also. And like wine is very much so like that as well. You really have to um, appreciate and respect the fluctuations in great vintages and, and the bad ones too, because that's part of it as well. If you go onto Instagram today, Ali made an amazing post on the mm -hmm. wine region that matters, and that's Spain. Okay. So I'm mm -hmm. constantly stressing people, if you want to try good quality vintage wines that are drinking now, you can go to Spain where you can get wines that are 2008, 2010, 2012, that are drinking now that cost $15, $20, $25, very reasonable price, but very, very good quality wines. And, and, uh, and that's what I would do. 
Hmm. One other thing too, that I think people don't realize in other countries, particularly the old world is that wine is regulated in these countries. And so you have like in France, you have the, the AOC in Italy of the DOC. So there are governing bodies or entities that are continually evaluating the quality of the wine, the quality of the winemaker, their vineyard, like all of the different layers of how those grapes kind of go through the winemaking process. And it's actually incredibly sophisticated in a lot of these old world, um, you know, regions that that help to kind of um, verify or, or um, add value to some of the wines that we're drinking from some of these old world areas. So I wanted to kind of um, share that because I think a lot of people don't realize when they see those labels on some of the imported bottles, like what that actually means and what, you know, these different classification systems uh, actually indicate. So um, kind of an incredible sophisticated system for the old world. One other thing too that was mentioned that I wanted to share um, because we do have a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that drink wine, but, you know, certainly don't, you know, spend time in their like wine song books like we do. Um, so um, can we have a, a slight conversation about the, uh, the idea around sediment, wine crystals, you know, sometimes non-wine drinkers, when they see that in their glass, they think there's something wrong with the wine. Um, you know, sometimes um, I had a um, an Argentinian from Mendoza, a, a Malbec that had an incredible nose of manure, unlike anything. I, I mean, it was extreme. I mean, it just like of manure. Yeah. And it just hit you, you know? So I think for somebody who is, um, un I don't mean to say untrained, but just somebody who doesn't have that kind of working knowledge, they could smell that or look at that in their glass and go, something's wrong with my wine. So can you guys kind of share a little bit about, um, some of the things that maybe our listeners would want to know about, Oh, if this, if it pours this way, like that's normal, or this is what you would typically expect with this type of varietal. Yeah, I mean, I'll start and I'll let Ellie uh, take over here. I, you know, the interesting thing, you talk about things like sediment and even color of the wine because one of the things when we're tasting wines, we're looking at the color. Color will tell you a lot about wine. And one of the big things is that wines that are young will be more vibrant, like red or purple and like fairly bright. And so they'll look more youthful. But when they age, two things happen. We start to see their color turn. We start to see them become brown and stuff like that. Like I had a, I, I don't get to drink a lot of old, old wine, but I had a 64 Barolo and it was like looking pretty brownish. It was exquisite. Like I couldn't believe how well it tasted. It, it was amazing wine. But you know, when you look at it, it didn't look as appealing. And sometimes a young wine to an untrained drinker looks so amazing because the color is so vibrant, especially Pinots can look so beautiful and pretty in the glass. But when they start, especially when Pinots start to turn color and start to turn brown and sediment is an interesting thing because with sediment, what happens when you get these big wines that are really high in tannin, that tannin will start to fall out of the wine. And that's where the complexity, a lot of the flavors really start to develop. But then what ends up happening, you literally have sediment. So one of the big things is that they'll oftentimes you know, uh, bottles are laying on their side. They'll uh, oftentimes before uh, serving them will upright the bottle so the sediment uh, falls to the side. And then there's there's different ways of dealing with the sediment when you're pouring it because it's it is a little bit unpleasant if you get a mouthful of sediment. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like uh, you know like if you ever had boiled milk, you know that like the the uh, curdle whatever they the milk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we drink we drink like none, of, none of the above is sounding very appealing yeah so <laughs> you can filter it 
or what they do is they just really carefully, you know, pour it before the sediment does this. And I, I don't know if you do this, Ali, or anyone else does this. I do this technique where I start turning yeah. it carefully <laughs> because I'm like, I don't have anything. And I'm getting everything drop of wine out of that bottle. So I start turning and you can start seeing sediment like layering on this thing. So yep. start, you yep. start turning the bottle and, and, and you get out of it. It's, it's not a bad thing. Sediment's not a bad thing. Sediment can be a reflection of a really tannic wine that's as it's developed in age it's falling out so i and so those are the so, so those are some of the things that uh with color and sediment okay one last mm-hmm. question before we wrap up um how do you feel about people that refrigerate reds i i i i, I, do. I, 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 I feel like i feel like i've always been told that it you don't refrigerate a red but so, then I've learned that some reds can be kept cooler. I think I think the number one answer to this is that however you prefer it is the way that you should drink it. But on the grape side, so we've learned about all these cool little grapes that do these amazing things, have their own communities, and they can thrive, and, and they, they, they're just wonderful. But So what does the grape need after it's already been fermented and bottled and oaked and aged? And look at all the cool words that I'm currently <laughs> using that I never used before. So, so proud of you, Irene. Right? Can we just take a this moment here? Cheers Let's to give you, Yes, cheers so you to have this ama- You have this amazing varietal. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody get her a pen. She Someone needs a pen. Someone get me some more miso soup. Um, <laughs> So it's, yeah. So it, it, does it harm your wine if you have an amazing red, a Pinot Noir, like we just discussed, and then someone refrigerates it? I, I think, so the, so the first thing that you should know is that the colder the wine is, the less you're going to taste the wine and smell it. It's, it becomes ah. muted. So like and that applies to whites as well? All the wines. The colder it is, the less fragrant it's going to be, the less tasty it's going to be. You're going to just kind of taste less of it. And, mm. and so it's actually a rule of thumb in restaurants. If they have like a shitty wine that no one wants to drink, they serve it five degrees colder than they do the rest of the wines because they know that no one's going to want to taste it if it's a little warmer. Stop. <laughs> yes. 100%. No way. This is a real restaurant rule that they have like their low <laughs> bulk wine. They serve much colder. So if that gives you an idea about refrigerating stuff, you're going to mute it. Huh. There's a reason the box fits perfectly in the fridge. <laughs> she, that's what she was asking about. Can she? Is it okay if she refrigerates her All box? Right, fine. Wine? I'm no longer going to drink box wine. It's not that I can't afford good quality wine. It's that I don't know how to pick it. So, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you do like don't. I mean, you go through the aisle at, at the wine store. Like Portuguese, in that America, I we sure. have. In America, we have BevMo and Total Wine. Like we have these like big like wine stores that you go to, and it it can be a bit daunting because you walk down these aisles and it's like, you know, France has like four aisles, and you're like, okay, wow, you know what I mean? So I will say like sometimes when I'm like, ooh, I I could really go for like a Vouvray. Like I just pick like the cutest label. <laughs> I realize you guys are supposed to be asking the questions, but do you mind if I ask you had some questions? Ask me one. Yeah. Oh, so, do, so how do you travel a lot? Do you like yes. internationally? Do you, you do? I mean, pre-COVID, yes, like every week. Well, Pre-COVID. Yes. Yeah. Now, now I don't travel anywhere. I travel no. from here to now my I kitchen travel, to get another yeah. white claw, and then I come back into my office. Yeah. So Katrina, Katrina, and I um, both do a lot of the same thing. So we're both KOLs. We both speak and we both travel a lot. So mm-hmm. she's like my ginger. Hey, what's a KOL? Ginger, 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 key opinion leader, speaker, ah. lecturer. 
Nice. It's short so, yeah. for cool person. Ah, is what I say. Cool person. <laughs> yeah. So the reason I asked about traveling, and I know Ali is probably one of the most traveled people I know, so I don't have to ask her this, but uh, so one of the interesting things about wine, and I've really come to appreciate in the last few years, in the last four or five years, I've traveled a lot more, especially just because my kids have gotten a lot older now. And really wine is an interesting thing in that it's, it's universal in its right. acceptance. And so especially in Europe, and even when I was in Japan last year, but most recently, uh, I mean, Dense by Serona was kind enough to host us in Berlin. And uh, mm. I actually skipped out on one of the uh, <laughs> nights we're supposed to all be hanging out. And I went to this amazing, uh, in, in Berlin, this amazing wine bar. And it's actually fairly well known in the Berlin area. I never knew of it, but I was told about it. And it was amazing that there was this guy I know nothing about. We can barely speak the same language, but we spoke the language of wine. Oh. Our ability to connect the night. And so, he, you know, he could, it was interesting how, like, you know, there was a bit of a language barrier, but when it came to the descriptors of wine and when we started talking about different wines, it was incredible. And so he was so excited to showcase some of the German wines that I'm not accustomed to. So he didn't want me just in there drinking German Riesling. He wanted me to try German, like a Burgundian style Pinot Noir. He wanted me to try styles of wine in Germany that were more really smaller producer, not really out there. And, you know, and I've had that experience in other parts of the world when I was in Italy, um, when I was in Greece, even when I got a chance to try some really great Greek wines. And, and it was amazing that, and I never thought about that in, in the sense of why I did wine, but it just became more of why I should continue to do wine. It was just this really amazing universal language. And so when I would travel now, I find it is exciting. And, and when I'm with friends, they like it, especially when we were in Japan, we go to restaurants and the Japanese are very uh big into like if they're into food they're really into food so we'd go to certain restaurants and their wine list was incredible and when we bring the sommelier out again there would be this language barrier but we spoke the language of wine mm. and it was amazing how That's you're cool. able to connect with people across the thing mm. and i mean ali maybe you i'm sure you have so many stories like that as well i've been to some funky wine regions i think the funkiest and i've told you about this wally but we went to we went to a winery in myanmar mm. um which is in Southeast Asia. This yeah, man wow. started this winery like 20 years ago. And it's one of those things that I'm certain that the wine would be like disgusting if I had it here, but it was delicious then because you're just somewhere so exotic. And um, Wally's right. I think, I think to outsiders, if you see wine, you, you think of it as such a like, and unfortunately it is, there's like a lot of anxiety about wine. If you don't know about it and you don't study it, it's like you kind of have this anxiety that you, that you don't know about it. You go to the wine aisles and you're like, oh, I don't know what to buy. And you order wine at a restaurant and it's kind of um, anxiety ridden and you just point to one because you don't know how to pronounce it. And I was that person too, and I still am sometimes. But the, the coolest part about wine is that it, it definitely isn't that. And there's something so beautiful that really touches everybody across all countries across all languages and um it's it's living it changes year over year like we we're talking vintage over vintage and like the philosophical side about wine and i'm starting to get deep here but um it's it's so interesting to me how we kind of grasp onto things we like want things to be ours and like we grasp onto happiness we grasp onto uh, possessions you grasp on to um, all of these different things in life because we 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 just kind of want things right. Um, but wine is one of these things, and even art, right? You have you have piece, beautiful piece of art, and people want to own it and have it in their house and look at it all the time. Wine is a transient 
beautiful art. It goes away. You have to just enjoy it. And it's one of the very few pieces of art that you actually become. You have to drink it and it goes away and it's gone forever. And that's it. And the transiency of that is just so wonderful to me because it's, it's kind of like this letting go, surrender um, practice. And um, the first time I heard about this was in Japan. They, every year they, they celebrate um, this festival called Sakura which is a cherry blossom festival. And they have some cherry blossoms in the United States as well. But um, it's really beautiful if you ever go out there. It's in the first week of April and everybody in Japan goes and has picnics. And the whole reason for them going out and celebrating is because they know that the flowers are gonna go away. The transiency of, of life, of everything. And, and like, it's, it's really deep and beautiful. And when you're there, you can really get the sense of people just kind of enjoying the moment and being with each other. And, um, enjoying the flowers and and wine is no different. You know, you you sit, you have this glass, you're with loved ones. It's gone at the end of it, and you have this moment that you shared with both the wine that tied you back to this particular uh, place and time. There's just nothing else that ties all of those things together for me quite like that. And I just I I love wine. It's fantastic. Wow. wow. <laughs> Well, on well, that note, I think that is the, be the most beautiful way to... And to there it is. There it is. That's all, folks. <laughs> I don't know a better way to close things off, Katrina. Yeah. Do you? No, sir, I, that, that was amazing. And it's, it's so honest. That was seriously beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, oh thank, thanks for having us. This hey guys, is, thank you really so much. Thank you so much. If you are interested in you know doing these kind of things, Ali and I are going to be doing more Instagram lives. Uh, oh, cool. So I think if you log on to one of our accounts, we'll start announcing them. We did a couple. We had, we really enjoyed them. We had great success. <laughs> just awesome. But so crazy busy with work. It's just yeah. been, I'm sure you guys are the same. It's so crazy right now. But with the, once the dust settles here, I think uh, we're going to start uh, getting our Instagram lives going again probably once every couple of weeks. And cool. We'll share your Instas. But I don't know if you guys know, but um, we're called the Tooth or Dare podcast for a reason. So oh. at the end of the show, uh, Katrina and I do a, a visually impaired version of rock, paper, scissors, and the loser goes up against you guys. And the two of you, I guess you'll work as a team so you can decide whether you accept a tooth or dish out, a tooth or a dare or dish out a tooth or a dare. Um, <laughs> so you can think about that while Katrina and I do the thing. And in the meantime, the rest of you that are out there, um, you need to follow us on Instagram. You can follow me, Irene, at toothlife.irene. You can follow my bestie Katrina at the Dental Wine Genus. Guys, where can they follow you? Um, I'm at the Dental Psalm. The Dental Psalm and the Dental <laughs> Wine Guy. Yeah. Yes, on Insta. Um, so follow, follow, do those follows things. Okay, ready, girl? I, I feel like you're going to cheat again. I'm not going to cheat, I promise. Do I need to make you put your finger in front of the camera? No, don't be weird. No. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm just saying. Okay, ready? Rock. Rock. Paper. paper. Scissors. scissors go shoot i just always win i'm sorry I ran. <laughs> you just win you won you beat me you cut me i am i'm being cut i'm bleeding okay peeps what do you what would you like to do would you like to accept a tooth or a dare from me combined or would you like to dish out a tooth or a dare <laughs> no ali you you decide and it all goes up on social media so if you accept a dare um it gets you guys film it and then it goes up on on social media hmm I'm open to either. I like both. I would choose both. I'm nervous. Okay, fine. Let's go with tooth. A tooth. Ooh. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, how do you really feel about people that put ice cubes in their wine? <laughs> like if, if you could say, you like, if you could like, say, if you could say one thing to someone, like if you had no, no filter and you were pissed off, you had a terrible day and you went to a restaurant, a fine restaurant, someone ordered an expensive wine and then said, sir, may I please have some ice cubes for that? What would you like? No oh, filter say to that person. I'll tell you, you exactly how I feel about that. So once upon a time, I was with my good friend who's a dentist who I'm going to make sure listens to this podcast. And I'm not going to mention his name, Dr. Monty Gore. And he uh, put ice cube (laughs) in his fine wine at a nice restaurant. And what I do to people like that is I call them out on a podcast for putting an ice cube on Mm -hmm. in their fine wine in a nice restaurant. Not to name names, but his name is Dr. Monty Gore. Can you say that one more time? One more time. Monty Gore. If you're listening to this, Dr. Monty Gore, (laughs) this is how he feels. But okay, but you didn't answer my question. You outed your buddy, but how do you feel about these people? Like, what's your... I feel like you should publicly shame, just like I'm doing that to him right now. Oh, okay. What about you? What about you? Ooh, this is harsh. I feel like people who put ice in their wines are mentally asleep (laughs) there's not there's nothing about them that's conscious they don't care about anything (laughs) no they're just like just living they're just coasting through life until they get to the moment if they could they'd wear sweatpants every day oh my gosh (laughs) with that being said you know what i'm gonna do irene i'm gonna take a photo of me tomorrow drinking wine with a little ice cube in it and i'm gonna tag oh. you guys in it is that okay yeah. is everybody cool yeah. wait, wait, wait. Okay. what was what was the dare oh the dare well, would have would have i i can't get, i can't say them because then i can't use them on someone else because then the other person might hear it but it would have it would have been wine entailed but it it would have been it would have been interesting can i say what, what my dare would have been because i actually what? prepared for this my dare would have been all four <laughs> of us I prepared. prepared. All four of us would have had to post a photo with our favorite boxed wine and do wine tasting notes about our favorite box. Oh my god! Could you imagine? Wait, wait. I well, I challenged the situation because I initially gave Wally the Uh option to choose, but I'm going to go ahead and take on the dare. (gasps) You're going to take the dare. Yeah. Oh, so I'm also nominating Wally. I'm sorry, you're in this too. Boxed wine. This is so that, all of us. That, all that, of that, us was, have to that was my dare. Katrina, you stole my dare. So my dare was for you to go and buy the cheapest boxed wine and drink it out of the box. So spout to mouth on video. Done. Yes? Done. Oh my God. No joke. But it has to be posted on Instagram. On you have to, we have to wait till the episode airs. So for those of you that are listening, follow at twothirdair.podcast. Within seven days of this episode going up, we're going to see <laughs> two beautiful humans. Hey, Katrina, are we doing it too? I'm doing it. Oh my God. I'm, okay, I'm forget in. it. So forget the oh truth of the God. dare. Forget the rock, paper, scissors. We're all going to drink boxed wine out of the spout. Out of the box. And then we're going to, then we have to do tasting notes afterwards. You have to Are like, we doing the tasting notes? Persinum, persinums, and <laughs> I'm gonna. Gonna... I like it. I'm in. Oh my gosh, this is the you best. You don't have to kiss my, name, my uh, arm too hard. I'm good. Done. That's part of Done. the dare. Done. That's part of the dare. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Thanks for Bye, you peeps that I've seen before. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Have a great day. Peace Thank out, you. peeps. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. And we're back on the flippity flip. From the flippity so, flip. I'm so excited that two other people got to experience the same 
psalm ceremony that I envisioned <laughs> for you, that they also got to experience the cloaks and the, and the, hats, the Kool-Aid and, and the, the and the, the hymning and the hawing and the humming and the homonyming. <laughs> <laughs> it's so not that at all. It's like, here's no. your pin, here's a glass of champagne, goodbye to you. That's what it is. Yeah. I like how you guys were all talking about the wines that you were drinking. I was like, hmm, I don't know much. I, don't I realize know I don't much. really know much about the only drink that I like to drink. See? I, I feel like I should know more. Maybe, maybe, now I know you didn't lose the dare, but wouldn't that have been funny if they would have dared you to get your song? That would have been the most terrifying. That'd have been terrific, Irene. That'd have been so good. Where am I going to find time to become a level one sommelier? I don't know. I don't know. Emily, (laughs) make time in my schedule. Add that in, Lou. Emily, Lou, get the wine. (laughs) Emily, (laughs) register for the course. Oh, I, I if anybody could do it, it would be you, Irene. Irene. Oh, stop it! Mm-hmm. It's Cyber Monday, BT Dubs. <gasps> da, 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 da. Are you going to order Are anything s- on Cyber Monday? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't really like wait for anything like that. I know. I don't either. If and I want something, stuff I just that buy I it. Like never goes on sale. Like you never see a Gucci sale. You like Cyber Monday and <laughs> Chanel Gucci fifty percent off. Their like, stuff stop. on sale. What? No. That's crazy. No. No, mm. I feel like the stuff that I would really want that I'd be like, oh, I, I, I can only buy it if it goes on sale. I don't think I've ever seen a Birkin bag go on sale no. for Cyber Monday. No, I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think no. this is going to be the year that they do that. <laughs> no, this is not the year. So that's that's not really. I mean, I bought a new laptop. I bought a ga- I bought a gaming laptop. Why? So that counts, I guess. Why are you a gamer? No, so I've got so some of my videos that I shoot, I use a fancy camera that connects oh. to my loops. Oh, um, yeah. So the laptop that I have for it now doesn't really have a great video card, mm-hmm. and the camera itself shoots very quickly, and it sh- shoots in 4K. So the and then it transfers all of the data onto this laptop. So if you have a slow laptop, then you'll get a slow playback and mm-hmm. slow editing, mm-hmm. and it's just a hot mess. So um, we bought a new gaming laptop, which is like a few thousand dollars. Yeah, there you go. So I, but it was on sale for Black Friday, so I don't, I don't think I'll do any Cyber Monday sale. That's I needed, cool. I needed like a different type of camera too for like a handheld camera because I have an old Canon T3i, which is what I also shoot some videos on. So I kind of want like a. A different time because I'm starting school in January yeah. and I'm gonna vlog my whole way That's through school. Cool. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to watch that. I'm nervous about it because I feel like I'm gonna be a, a terrible human being um, in class with my camcorder. Yeah, you are. They're gonna be like, oh, "Who's the camcorder girl and why?" I know. I got why? an email from some girl who's like, "Can we be lab partners? I follow you on Instagram." I'm like, "Okay, oh. as long as you don't mind if you're on camera." <laughs> Or she needs to know. She needs to know that you will also ask her to hold the camera, and that yeah. is the first time that you and I met, Irene. <laughs> and you know, we were scaling teeth, and you're like, "Hold the camera." No, no, you have to go from above, and then come. And you're like, "Give me all these instructions." And I had to be. I'm like, "I'm a millennial. I think I know how to hold a camera, but I guess I don't." Good God! So there's a difference between holding a camera for holding a camera, and there's holding a camera for tutorial purposes. Right. Yeah. You just said, yeah. "Can you hold my camera?" And then you're like, "No, not like that. Like this." And I was like, "Okay." 
you're you're crazy AF, but let's let's do this. The content speaks together. for itself, yeah? though. No, I and I love that about you, Irene. I do. And I love that about you I too. Do. That you held my camera, even though you were like desperately was, trying to impress Anna. Patterson. I was trying to impress Anna Patterson, and I think <laughs> I did like, impress her. She was. She was. <laughs> I love that photo of you with your like your dumb face. <laughs> Sticking my tongue out and Anna Patterson staring Anna Patterson at me, and you're there with your arms crossed, like looking and I'm like, all yes, like, I'm trying to like I published this in a magazine as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days oh, of doing cool things with cool people in live places. Ah, uh, we'll get back there again someday. someday. All right, someday. Um, yeah. All right, well, that's that's about gonna do it for that's this it. evening. I be- I believe I be- I believe so. I believe I believe so. Um, so that's it. That's yeah. all, peeps. Thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit uh, Dense by Serona to check out the soft tip and head over to my Instagram. It'll be in my main feed so you can watch this lovely 12 millimeter piece of calculus come off in two pieces very seamlessly. It was like I was um, splitting a piece of glass. Mm. Like it was so, so good. therapeutic. And I wish it was on the buckle, it was on the lingual, but I got some good like indirect vision with yeah. my mirror yeah but anywho so, so check that out and um yeah until next time peace out peeps happy cyber monday and happy cyber post, monday post thanksgiving cheers did i do it you did it i did it so good you're so did good. i do a good even job you, even with your hand o- hang over you mm. did so well how, do you, how did you know i'm hung over irene how did you know it's oh. four o'clock in the afternoon i shouldn't be we didn't over. banter at all there was no banter it was just straight in <clears throat> i'm it's, it, yeah there's up. no foreplay it's all just <laughs> you like shoving it in let's go here's the intro here's the outro it's, i'm it, a lady spit on your handle and then she takes the dumb things i say and she puts them at the end of every podcast so <laughs> I always have Chablis. I always bring Okay, wait, don't, 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 don't even talk about it. Let's okay. talk about it after. Okay. Do you, okay, hold on. Irene has to turn off her ringer. Irene. I just did. It's my, it's my office ringer. Are you out of here? Did the people show up? The, the apparently, oh, that's oh, them. They're, they're at the front door. When you let them in, there's a leak from the pipe over there. God. I didn't even post, I'm, I am so over floods right now that I don't even post about it on social media anymore. Like. It is, it is, it is one of those things. Okay. We have to talk about the episode. Okay. Forget about me. <laughs> we have to talk about everyone. We have to we're talk we're about so ev- distracted right now. Right, there are, there are four people on this call, two who are silently waiting, three of them who have wine and one who is drinking miso soup out of the largest Yeti can ever. Cause I'm still at the office and I'm so disappointed that I didn't have time to go and get wine. I was supposed to have an hour break and I didn't. So my plan was to leave, to go and get the wine and then come back on my lunch, like after lunch. And it just, it, of course, didn't happen. Dental, dental lives, right? I, I am yeah. probably the only person here that drinks wine out of a box and everyone's going to start laughing. Like, <laughs> yeah. We can, t- we can judge you on that later. Just so, by you know the smell of cat piss, huh? The smell of cat piss. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, you know what's so like. funny? One of the one of the most famous uh, wineries in New Zealand is Kim Crawford's Winery. Uh-huh. Um, so, fun trivia fact: you guys probably know this. I did not realize this that Kim Crawford is a tiny Asian man. Did you know that? What? It's not I the model. You, I don't know that. <laughs> I didn't Wait, know that it was what? Like, it's not like the model. No. Like Cindy Crawford? No. <laughs> so, like her no. mom or something. I know, that's what I thought. I thought it was, I was always like, I love her wine. And finally somebody was like, you know, Kim Crawford is like a tiny Asian man. And tiny I was like, oh. little Korean dude.
So it. now that's like on my hashtag goals, I want to meet Kim Crawford and like get a selfie with her. Job. Stay tuned. Oh that may happen. My 40th. That's what I'm going to do. There you have so it. So are you all drinking the same wine right now? Or, or who's no. drinking the same wine? Are you all drinking different wine? I thought we were all supposed to drink the same we're wine. We're all drinking Chardonnay. Oh, okay. I'm not drinking Chardonnay, actually. Oh, what do you mean? I know. So <laughs> Sorry. Cheater. So let's get this straight. The, the theme was, Ch was Chablis. Irene's drinking uh, uh, sorry, uh, miso soup. Miso soup. Uh, I, brought, I brought Chardonnay, but just not Chablis. Yeah. And so Ali's the only one drinking the theme wine. She's right? drinking like, Chablis. That's good. I don't want to sound like I'm putting down box wine. You know, honestly, I really do. Guys, I really don't that. drink that much box wine. Like, I hope you know. <laughs> I actually drink bottled wine. We're just, well, this is the podcast. We're overplaying it. This is what we do. Usually there's one. I actually do drink box wine. Speak for yourself, Irene. There's, I actually there's do usually, drink box Between wine. the two of us, there's usually the one person that gets picked on in the episode. And this is, it's my turn. 97% of the time, it is Irene that gets picked right. on. Cola uh, Vanini. That's the name of it. And it's from Vila. Canulungo. <laughs> Keep oh, going. This is good. I like Corso this. Corso Rosato. That's Rosazzo. Rosazzo. Yeah, did you find it? Is this it? supposed to be Italian? You're it's delicious. Italian? Yeah, this is... No, this is, your accent. Yeah, is it not good? No, th no that's not so Ontario. She's speaking in an Ontario accent. That's how they speak. This is how my mother speaks. <laughs>